Mr. Lobo. I, as an initiated member of the Sleepless Nights of Insomnia and dedicated listener to We Talk Games, do solemnly swear to listen to the October Spooktacular, the whole October Spooktacular, and nothing but the October Spooktacular. So help me, Mr. Lobo. You may stand down. Here we go! Dreaming, you're listening to We Talk Games October Spooktacular. I'm your spectral narrator and humble horror host, Mr. Lobo of Cinema Insomnia. Tonight's feature is Nightmare in the Dark from AM Factory. Turn off all the lights and let the darkness overtake you as we drift back in time to a dimly lit arcade in the year 2000 where the creeping undead want to feast on your quarters. You are listening to the Week Talk Games October Spooktacular. Week one, Nightmare in the Dark. Can your heart take the terror? Trick or treat, it's the first week of our Spooktacular, first annual Spooktacular for We Talk Games. This is Arcade Weekly. <laughs> it's so spooky! Give me some moaning ghost. The moaning ghost? <laughs> that's, that's the Holy Ghost, brother. <laughs> Oh, you're welcome, listener. <laughs> I'm sure that's not annoying on your way to work to this morning. No, not at all. Oh, no, it's a monster. It sounds like someone left the faucet on. <laughs> I'm your host, Kyle Von Kubik, and this week I'm joined with Keith the Robo Duke. It's so scary. And I want to suck your blood, Johnny Capcom. Scary AV cop. <laughs> this month we are talking about halloweeny type games spooky ooky arcade games we talk about arcade games every week but this month we're talking about ones that have ghosts goblins but not ghosts and goblins obviously your vampires your werewolves and your frankensteins but not your castlevanias not your castlevanias no this week we're talking about nightmare in the dark it's a nightmare in the dark <laughs> by snk from the year 2000 how are they still alive <laughs> and it does fit the whole uh, motif of the halloweeny and that's probably the best attribute of this game because everything else kind of sucks 
They were releasing the AES games, I believe, up until like 2004. Yes. We talked about a few months back, the Crystal of Kings, we talked about how that development team was actually working on what was supposed to be the predecessor to the MVS, which was this Crystal system. But, you know, unfortunately, that never took off. But, yeah, they were still making the games for the home as well. This game falls in line with another game we talked about, and it plays very similarly, Zoopapa. And <sighs> Zoopapa and this game, they fell behind the file cabinet. And then when they were clearing out offices in the year 2000, they found them because these games are very specific for a very specific era of game. And the year 2000 was not it. No, no one was playing single screen. It's like Buster Brothers, but spooky or something like it's just these single screen puzzle games that did not exist in that year unless it was on one of those touchscreen games at a bar. I wouldn't even call it a puzzle game because there's not much strategy to it. It is your single screen platformer. The sprite work, I love it. I think it's yeah. great. It holds up real well and it's got all well, the spooky ooky motif, but the gameplay itself is so dated and just not really acceptable for the year 2000. Why don't I'll get into the making mechanics. You guys can jump in at any time. For me, the start of this type of game, this is the start of this genome, would have to be Dig Dug 1982 by Namco. Mm-hmm. Followed up in uh, 1986 Bubble Bobble, Taito. Very Bubble Bobbly feel in the, you know, clear all the enemies on the screen. Just purely aesthetically or art direction wise, I would go with 1996's Dark Stalkers or the Night Warriors Dark yeah. Darkstalkers, 1996 by Capcom, because the sprite work looks very similar to that game. When did Burger Time come out? Because this had a bit of a Burger Time feel for me. You know, where you in Burger Time you throw the salt at the enemies and it kind of stuns them? I think it was 1982, but that's not on my list, so let me look. The reason I said puzzly is sometimes you want to try to figure out how can I'd line up my shots to hit as many enemies as possible because the structure of the screen, we'll get into that, but... Yeah, 1982 is Burger Time from Data East. I see a little connection there. I think, again, there's more strategy in Burger Time than there is in this game. And Burger Time is extremely challenging, too. (laughs) And Burger Time is Keith's favorite game because it's about burgers, right, Keith? Oh, yeah. Not enough French fries in that game for me. I'm, I'm, I'm a big French fry guy. <laughs> I'd agree with Burger Time. And, and uh, if you eat too many of those burgers, Keith, you can always check out 1992's Diet Go-Go by Daddy East. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> that Keith, wasn't meant to sound like an insult. Keith, you eat what you like, all right? You're a real woman. <laughs> and real women have curves. I am every woman. Oh, and one game I forgot to mention, which this game, Diagogo and Zupapa play very similar to, is Snow Brothers, 1990 by Capcom. <laughs> uh, sorry, that is not dirty. Sorry, there's something else. I no, Snow Job Brothers is a totally different game. <laughs> Another game I'd like to mention, just in the single-screen, get-rid-of-the-bad-guys genre, one of the best, Load Runner from 1983. Oh, right. A little bit, not as much. You know, Load Runner didn't have shooting, but it was one of those games I thought of while looking, you know, the Mm single-screen arcade action game. You could also put Space Panic into that category as well, although that's not a very good game. But it is a single-screen platformer similar to Load Runner. But I think as far as the mechanics are concerned, with this game, your dig dug, your bubble bobble, 
and your snow bros would definitely be the closest to what this game is. You play some chud gravedigger who's so <laughs> ugly that he hides from the village of which he's protecting from the undead. Or, or really, uh, he thinks there's some grave robbers and then realizes that the dead have come back to life. I gotta point something out here and it just cracked me up because there's a lot of bad English in the scroll at the beginning of the game. Yeah. And it says he lived a solitary life in a corner of the <laughs> Cemetery, where he kept away from the village people due to his very ugly appearance. Yes. And I just pictured him going, I can't hang out with the band. The <laughs> he's, he's the unsung hero, because if the next line is, one day, he found the graves were ransacked and some corpses were stolen. Mm-hmm. He didn't want the village people to find out, right. so he decided to eliminate the grave burglars by himself. <laughs> he didn't want to lose his fucking job. Yeah, he's like, sure. Oh, I knew something was up with that ugly fuck. Let's get him. Aw, <laughs> oh, shouldn't someone be here to make sure these corpses don't get stolen? Oh. <laughs> they were on tour. The village people? Yeah. <laughs> Recording a follow-up live album to uh, Live and Sleazy, which is the best live album name ever. <laughs> so, turns out the dead have been rising from the grave right. and you need to set them on fire with your trusty lantern. Right. You play through 25 levels of boredom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you, I checked out of this game way early. Not to say I didn't play it to completion, which I did. Oh, I'm me just too. not happy about it. Nor am I. <laughs> it was bad. Like Diagogo, like Dig Dug, like um, Zoo Papa, what you do is in the single screen, which is very similar to those games, you mitigate enemies and in this one instead of blowing them up or throwing your zooks at them, that was in Zoopapa, you wiggle your lantern and throw little fireballs at the enemies and they get engulfed in flames, which stuns them. And then the more flames you throw at them, the larger they become engulfed in the flame and until eventually they become a fireball. It just looks like an orange ball on the screen. You grab that ball and then you throw it and you can get multipliers and combos by hitting multiple enemies with that ball because it's an instant kill and it's boring there's some cool stuff where like if you can set up your shots right like i've cleared a whole screen of enemies in one shot which is a little satisfying you're like all right i would agree with that but you can't jump down no that's the worst yes that was a big fucking some of the level design makes it impossible to go where you need to go to hit enemies because of that. You have to walk all the way up and then walk all the way down. Yep. If you could jump up and down freely, I would agree with you that that would make that mechanic a little more interesting. But that is all you do in this game. There's different enemies, and they're all essentially the same enemies. The ghosts can go through the platforms. One of the zombies can rip off his arm and throw it at you. But they don't really behave that much differently from one another. And they all interact with the fire the same. All your favorites are there. You got mummies, ghouls, ghosts, zombies, and jumping humpers. Yeah, you got the little flea mans from yes. Castlevania. Yes! All right, I'm glad you guys knew what that was. Because when I was a kid playing Castlevania at six years old, we would just yell at each other, Watch out, jumping humper! <laughs> jumping humper. I always called them hunchbacks. I thought they were hunchbacks, too. But because they jumped on you, we called them jumping humpers. Jump humpers. And they probably would, too. Those creepy dudes living yeah. all alone. And the, the jumping towers. humpers are there. And they even have dapper jumper humpers who have, like, top hats. Yes. <laughs> and, like, little capes on. They're swag. <laughs> like, my favorite little sprite is the guy is later on. It's the long-haired zombie who pulls his own arm off you and yes. throws it at you. Yeah. Oh, that was great. 
The art direction and the sprite work in this game, I really dig. That's pretty much it. That's all I dig about There's a problem, game. though. The first boss is kind of like a Frankenstein. Yes. Then the second boss is this big pop-up pirate skull car. Yes. And then the rest of the bosses are just like dudes. Right. They get so unimpressive as they go on. The Frankenstein is so well animated. As the skull car, not as well animated, but it looks cool. The third one is just two gargoyles. Then there's a Skeleman knight. Yeah, yeah it's just a Skeleman in gold armor. Right. And then finally there's just a triangle with a stick attached to it. <laughs> there's a little wizard ghost yeah, that Man. final boss, that was just garbage. The only thing that yeah. made it challenging was because his health bar was six units of health as opposed to three in the beginning. Yeah, and then every time I tried to throw the ball at him, it just wouldn't hit him. Right. It would go right through him, and it's like, what's the timing on this? Like you had said, it looks like someone found this in the bottom of a filing cabinet, all these assets, mm-hmm. and went, can we throw this together for a cheap buck? Right. Sure, let's do it. And don't get me wrong, other games that we've talked about, like Diagogo or Zupapa, it's the same mechanic, but they made it more interesting. Yeah. Just changing it up, and the bosses look good. It seems like the order should maybe it should have been reversed. Like you said, John, going from that Frankenstein to the Skull Car, what's going to be next? Two gargoyles. Oh, okay. I just went from a giant fucking rat fink skull car to just two little gargoyles that I have to fight. Strange choices in the layout and the game mechanics, and the game mechanics are just missing a lot. It feels very primitive for a game that came out in the year 2000, where you feel like the developers should have learned more. I mean, we had two decades worth of game making prior to this, showing what you could do with a single-screen platformer, and it was like going back to a game that was maybe more suited in 1980, mechanically was, not graphically. What was that game? Was it from Atlas with the evil Teddy Santa Bear? Remember, there's a game we we covered it here like last year, and there's like a Christmas bear, and he turns evil. And, but that game was a single screen game, and it looked fantastic, and it played great as well. And I believe that was like two years before AV Cop or whatever we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, this is a very slapdash game. game. Yeah. This game was like thrown together. Is this what all like the enemies in Castlevania do when Dracula's waiting to resurrect again? <laughs> <laughs> they just, just fuck around with grave diggers. He's just like the grave digger or gravekeeper enemy in the Castlevania games with a lantern who flings fire at I, I you. I thought his sprite worked well, and I felt like I could control him well. I just was not having fun. No, yeah. That the, uh, the ghost, the kind of classic sheet ghost, was basically just Oogie Boogie from Nightmare on uh, Nightmare Elm Street. <laughs> Nightmare, Before Christmas. <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas, yes. And uh, <laughs> you also fight Gleep or Gloop from uh, the Herculoids. How is that not a fucking mashup t-shirt like Freddy Krueger in the Jack Skellington gear or something, you know? You're sitting on money right there, John. So that's a hot topic right now. (laughs) Put it on your DeviantArt and someone will jerk off to it or something. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) Heath going blue already. (laughs) Sorry, it's just this game was just frustrating. It It looked so cool. I was like... From screenshots, you're like, I think I'm going to dig this game. And then you play it, you're like, I do not dig this game. No, and it was... I remember uh, years ago, you know, when emulators first were getting bigger and you could start playing all these older games. Well, I guess this one's not that old. (laughs) I remember seeing the name and being like, Nightmare in the dark. I was like, that's got to be fucking cool. Like, that name is so cool. This is going to be awesome. And I booted it up and went, nope, and turned it off. I had the exact same experience. I remember 
one year I was in college and my friend came back from Bulgaria and he had this just disc that said Neo Geo on it. He's like, there you go. And it was the NEO emulator and like every ROM. Mm. And I was going through the catalog and I was like, oh, Kazuna Encounter, this is great. You know, and then just you get to this and you go, oh, Nightmare in the Dark, this has got to be some kind of cool running gun game or something. Right. I was like, oh no, it's just fucking blah, blah, blah. blah. I, I don't care. Spooky know? Rainbow Islands. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness, that goes on much longer than it should. <laughs> that was the- <laughs> That's quite the mating call from the Wolfman there. Yeah. We talked about the game mechanics being really boring. <laughs> Maybe let's say that we had a stick with the single screen platformer. We're keeping the aesthetic. We're keeping the Halloween aesthetic. We're going to keep the base of the mechanic. How do we improve upon this game? Uh, let you jump down is the first huge improvement right off the bat. Yeah, let you hold down, hit jump to drop to the lower platform. Fucking Contra did it. You can do it in the year two thousand, dude. On the twenty fourth stage, I was still trying to do it. <laughs> yeah, I caught myself trying to be like, okay, let's go. No, why? Oh, yeah. it's such a basic thing. I would say they try to make the enemies act a little differently. Maybe introduce enemies that you can't set on fire and just stun. Maybe ones that specifically can only get hit with the fireball. So there's a little bit of variety. You know, enemies that maybe can be a little more annoying in that way. But Mm -hmm. I don't know if we want to go more annoying because eventually this game was like, just put more quarters in, you'll win eventually. Make the platforming more challenging outside of the fact that you can't jump down. Yeah, there's not a lot of platforming variety going on. It's just like arbitrarily placed platforms for you to navigate while you try and pick up these power ups that basically have no real power to you. I mean, that I see the biggest complaint too, aside yeah. from not being able to jump down, where that lack of power ups. Because yes, there are power ups that say they increase your range and fireball, but once you die, it goes back to the first shot. And I never got past three metrics of health. So when you die, you lost that little bit of range or that little bit of fireball buff. And I didn't even see a difference. The fireball looked a little bigger when it said the fireball power went up. But as far as getting the enemy to that stage to become a ball, I didn't think it went any quicker. Yeah, yeah. You, you do move a little quicker, too, if you get the move speed up. Like You can definitely tell that. He is slow. Everything in this game is very slow. Yes, that is another thing. I would make him move a little bit quicker. He moves way too slow to the point where power-ups will spawn and you will try to get to them and they will vanish before you can get to them. Yeah. The power-ups vanish way too fast as well. Right. Beat a boss, he drops a ton of them, and you can maybe pick up five in a corner you were near. You can't even get the rest. They're all gone before you can pick them up. Well, Zoo Papa, the way that they handled power-ups were similar, but what they did with the mechanic of throwing the Zooks to blow up your enemy, a la Dig Dug, you know, that, that's what you're doing with the fireball. You're blowing them up into a fireball. You could attack the enemy when it had one zook on it, but it wouldn't bounce across the screen. Maybe a little bit of that in this game would have made it more interesting so that you didn't feel so fucking helpless against these enemies at points when you're like frantically throwing fire and then the other enemy walks through the fire because you're only focused on that one enemy being engulfed in flames. Yep, and you can only hit one at a time when that happens. There were many moments where I caught myself just jamming on the button as enemies came close, hoping I'll catch them all. And eventually one will catch on fire. Yeah, no power-ups to instant death on the screen as far as getting rid of all the enemies or freezing them 
or something else just to change up the fucking lantern because it was really boring playing this with just flicking a lantern over and over again. Yep, which I had to do on the final boss. Like, is this some wizard guy and he summons a skull with hands and all he does is spawn four enemies at a time. It's very annoying. And then with more boring, the ending is just a scroll of some text mm-hmm. with smaller yeah. images of the backgrounds from the level in the exact order you played them. Yep. And the message is, finally, the tumult calmed down and the small village regained its tranquility. Don't forget the polygon lantern spinning. Yep. Oh, yeah. I got, I got that after. That comes after this. Yes, that was yeah. the future in yeah. 1994. Yeah. The gravekeeper but, uh, never told his bravery to others. He kept his quiet life in a corner of the cemetery. I'm really thinking one of the developers, like... It was lunchtime. He had to grab a soda. He put the disc on top of the soda machine. It fell between the two vending machines. He's like, ah, fuck it. You know, it wasn't that good of a game anyway. And when they're cleaning the offices out, they're like, yeah, just put this out. That's fine. Because it really it feels like a 1995 game at best. Yep. It's weird, like with the end of it, where uh, they say like the villagers came to him and said, thank you. Uh, <laughs> and you're like. <laughs> Do you mind as well just put, and then the villagers came to him and performed a mercy killing. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then they showed up and put that poor old gravedigger out of his lonely misery. And once again, with some good uh, translating here, thank you is, thank you, exclamation point. Dot, ellipses. dot, dot. Yeah, ellipses. yeah, ellipses. End quotes. Yeah, and then you do, as you mentioned, you get that lovely shot of the uh, gravekeeper's lamp spinning around yes. in 3D. Yeah. But what I do want to comment on is all the Halloween-y music in this game, which consisted of smooth jazz and rejected Paul Abdul backtracks. <laughs> what was... Yeah. What, the, like, MC Scat did, Cat comes dancing oh across God, the screen. Everything they did right with the art, they couldn't get it more wrong with the music. <laughs> they were better off having it silent. It, it is oh. very fucking weird. But the in-between level music in particular completely takes it. I mean, if you were in the middle of having a nightmare and this music came on, you'd relax. (laughs) You would chill out. (laughs) (laughs) It's so out of place. And it's uh, one of these games where each stage, the levels bleed from one to the other, which, again, the animations are really cool, the way that it shows you the drippy fonts for (laughs) level one and level two, which, again, I'm laughing because I'm thinking about, like, the smooth jazz of drippy (laughs) font. See, but Castlevania did have that smooth, jazzy in some of the things, but it still sounded spooky. Like in Symphony of the Night, I know the underground caverns have, some of them have this kind of jazzy town. uh, Jazzy town. Jazzy (laughs) sound. And it fits the tone. Won't you take me to jazzy town? (laughs) I just have this image of Simon Belmont going into one cave, and it's just like jazz fans hanging out. (laughs) I just see skeletons with like saxophones and (laughs) playing upright basses. You can do the jazz in the horror game like Castlevania did, but it's not the same here. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't just sound right. No, it sounds way out of place. And I agree with John. It's very like, again, I wrote down rejected Pola Abdul backtracks and smooth jazz as the music. I'm either in the dentist office or I'm, I'm watching that cartoon cat and her fight about their relationship. Two steps forward, I take two steps back. <laughs> 
Great song, great video. I don't care what anybody says. Everybody loved that video back in the day. Oh, hell yeah. It was like Roger Rabbit with Paul Abdul. Nobody did not like that. Oh, Wasn't yeah. she some kind of alcoholic? I think she still is some kind of. Yeah. I, allegedly. I don't know. That, I don't know. That's all I know about her. I don't need We Talk Games getting the Paul Abdul hammer. <laughs> all I know, I had quite a crush on her in my youth, and I definitely had the Opposites of Track single on cassette. Oh, my gosh. Hell yeah. <laughs> Magic suck. Stinky the Game Master here. Great job, fellas, on uh, Spookatacular. I'm here with your Halloween safety tips. All up in your tits, tips. Halloween safety tips. Let's go again. Halloween safety tips. Don Fennin. Halloween safety tips with Stinky the Game Master. Now, when you go tic-tacking, first thing that you want to do is make sure you have one of these here cheap $1 or $2 trick-or-treat candy bags. Put in like three cobs of corn, maybe, and then you shuck uh, eight or nine, and you, you, you strip out the kernels. So you just have a bag of kernels and three or four cobs. Now, never tic-tac within a two-mile radius of your own home. That's not safe. What you want to do is go to a place that is pretty highly populated. The houses aren't too far apart. You want to suss the joint before you go out tic-tacking. This is important. Measure twice, tic-tac once. Then you want to set up a grid of all the homes. You don't just go down one row of homes and another row. You set up the Z pattern. No more than three houses in a row on any given straight line. Then cut through the yards in a Z pattern because you can circle back with your Z's. ZZ on the belly. When you're tic-tacking, remember to snap your wrist at the end because you don't want to wear out your arm. You don't want to be five or six houses in and your arm's blown out. That's no good. Remember to never pelt any single house with more than two handfuls of tic-tacking. If and when you hear the fuzz, this is where your trick-or-treat bag comes in handy. First of all, in a trick-or-treat bag, not only do you have your Tic Tac supplies, but you also have a couple bars of candy, maybe an apple. You can put a razor blade in it, sympathy from the cops if you get caught. But also in there, you have one of these cheap Halloweeny masks with a rubber band and stuff like that. Then you just put on and remember to wear a black shirt and blue jeans. Because how many times you get a call in, he's wearing a black shirt and blue jeans. And one other thing you want to do is when you get dressed up, make sure you make a giant sticker with a smiley face on it. And you put that on your shirt first. And it's a sticker that you peel off. And they give your description to the 911. Say, oh, I saw a male. He's got a black t-shirt on with a smiley face and a blue jeans. When the fuzz sirens go, just tear off that sticker, put it right in your candy bag. And then you put your mask on, and you just pretend you're going door to door trick or treating. And the cops say, "Hey, what are you doing? It's not trick or treat day." And say, "Oh, when is it? I don't. I'm dumb." Then uh, if they catch you with the the corns in there, just say, to, oh, "This bag isn't mine. I'm holding it for somebody." That always works. Or you could just say, 
Uh, sorry, officer. I'm blind, and I couldn't see what day it was on the calendar. Another good tip is, inside your candy bag, you have like a pillow or some foam in there. So if you're a skinny guy, you put this foam under there, and now you're a fat guy. If you're a fat guy, carry around a machete in there, cut off all your fat, and now you're a skinny guy. And that last part, don't do, because I made it up. And if you do do that, commit yourself to the nearest insane asylum. Now let's go back to our special MC, Mr. Lobo, as he explains what that you have just heard so far in the spooky thing, Tacular the Guy. This was an ancient story, when people still believed in the power of witchcraft and positive thinking. There lived one gravekeeper at a very small village in a very remote region, not far from the Jiffy Lube. He lived a quiet, solitary life in a corner of the cemetery. Oh, sorry, corner of the cemetery, that's at least how they say it, where he kept away from village people due to his ugly appearance and the fact that he hated disco. One day, he found the graves were ransacked and some corpses were stolen. He didn't want the village people to know that, especially the cop and the construction worker, though he liked the leather man. He decided to eliminate the grave burglars by himself. Thus, he patrolled the cemetery every midnight. Dressed in a robe from Jim Henson's Dark Crystal and armed with a lantern, no evil shall escape his sight. When in doubt, kill them with fire. Oh no. Someone or something is shambling toward you. Is that Crispin Glover? No, it's a zombie. Can your heart stand the horror of nightmare in the dark? Insert coins. <laughs> All right. Anything else you guys feel about this game? Would I return to this game? I wrote Nah, son. <laughs> no. Play up to the Franken monster and then turn it off. I think it deserves that. I think it deserves the first five levels of your attention, and then you can just stop. You know, this time of the month, Halloween coming, seeing the artwork will definitely resonate. But yeah, I agree. Maybe the first day. I was going to say, don't even bother. You know, spend your time playing Zupapa or one of the other single screen platforms we talked about in the past that were actually fun. But the artwork is something to be at least looked at. When you're bored, just turn it off. It doesn't get better. No, go go play a real spooky game instead. Download a sprite sheet from it and listen to some Dave Brubeck and you'll get the whole thing. <laughs> a better experience. More streamlined experience. Let me remind everybody to check us out on Twitter. It's at We Talk Games. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash WTG podcast. You can also check out Keith the Robo Duke on YouTube. Where can they find you on YouTube? Uh, youtube.com slash keith the robo duke go check it out yeah be on the lookout for we talk games wtg exclusive videos where keith will either be playing games that we discuss on the show that you can see it and see if it's something that you dig or he'll play a game that we discuss in the show that wasn't the exact topic games that we maybe talked about in the making mechanics yeah or maybe uh, someone on the facebook page said hey i'd love to see you play this or you know hey check this out i got an inferior feature. Oh, what is it? The We Talk Games video addendum. 
No, nice. <laughs> oh, I do like so. If I do it for one, we do talk about. You just have to pay me royalties each time you use it, Keith. Which is there we go. Yeah, and uh, don't look for my video of me playing this game. <laughs> it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, it, it never is going to happen. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> the sharp cut at the end made it a little more dramatic. <laughs> like we weren't supposed to listen to that. <laughs> Any final thoughts on Nightmare in the Dark? At least it's not fucking mutant fire. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> we talk games, arcade weekly, spooktacular. <laughs> we'll see if that returns. <laughs> This is your horror movie host, Mr. Lobo, from Cinema Insomnia. I would tell you to watch my new season on Saturday nights, starting on Halloween on OSI 74, but you'll probably be playing video games. Maybe you could have me on in the background. Might make it scarier, I don't know. I do have a podcast coming on HorrorNews.net called Sleepless Nights with Mr. Lobo. I'd like to thank We Talk Games for inviting me to haunt their four-week spooktacular. Look out! Scary games are afoot! Next week, Night Slashers. Until next time, game over.